Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to have you with us this morning as we're continuing our series, Hope for Troubled Hearts. In today's passage, which will be John 16, 16 to 24, uh, we're picking up partway, so it's partway through chapter 16, uh, on Jesus's final discourse with his disciples. And we know this is a really important time that Jesus has with his disciples. It's, it's that, that, um, that last moment where he gets to, to speak truth to them, to, to lay foundations, to, to speak words that will bring comfort to them, strengthen them for the times of trials that lay ahead. And these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples then, have Jesus has just as much to say to us now through them. So let's be expectant that as we read this passage, that Jesus will be equipping us, that he will be speaking to us, that he will be preparing us for what he has called us to do. Um, just a few weeks ago, we were looking at peace. Jesus says, I give you my peace. And it's a peace that transcends our understanding. It's a peace that, that where we wouldn't normally have peace in life, in hard, difficult situations, we may know peace. And yet again today, we're looking at a joy that no one can take away, the joy of Christ. And this is a, a really exciting topic to be looking at. And it's, it's, it's not something that that's the same as happiness. It's not something that, that's fleeting, that's completely dependent on circumstances that we're going through. But it's something that is dependent upon Christ and the finished work that he has done for us. And this is why it's not fleeting. This is why it's a joy that can stay continually because of it's what our hope is founded upon. And so I'm really excited this morning to look at this together, to unpack this together, to see what Jesus is wanting to say to us this morning as he's looking to grow us to be more and more like him. So now let's just turn to John 16 verse 16 to 24. It says this, a little while and you will see me no longer and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me and because I'm going to the father so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep. You will lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take this joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Oh, ah, what a wonderful place for that passage to end. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I want my joy to be full and I want your joy to be full in, in God. In fact, I'm just going to pray for us before we move on. Jesus, I thank you that you want us to know your joy. I thank you that you want us to be joyful, that you want our joyfulness to be full. <laughs> and so we come before you now in prayer and just say, come and do this in us. 
Come captivate us afresh with your gospel of grace. Come open our eyes to your glorious wonders. Lord, we thank you that you give us all we need for life and godliness. Lord God, through your power at work in us. So we just say, come and be at work in us today because we need you. Whether we're already in a higher place or whether we're feeling in, in, in places of toil and hardships of life, we need you. Lord, let your name be glorified in us this day, we pray. Amen. So Jesus starts uh, this passage by saying to his disciples, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. This must have been hard for the disciples to hear. The one they called Lord, the one they'd given their lives to for, for years, the ones they'd been, they'd, they'd given up their old way of life and were given everything to follow him, said, I'm going away for a while. Imagine someone you love and care for, someone you've devoted a great, like the last few years of your life to, turns around you and says, I'm going away and you'll see me no more for a little while. How, how would you make that feel? You'd, you'd want to understand. The disciples here, it's obvious from this text, did not understand why Jesus was, was going away, why Jesus was saying this. This is why they were wrestling with this question between themselves. How would it make you feel if someone really close and dear to you, someone who'd left everything to follow, turns around to you and just suddenly says, well, I'm going away for a bit now? How, how would that make you feel? It certainly wouldn't make you feel joyful, would it? So how long is this little while? Why can't we see him? What's going on? These are the kind of questions that the disciples would have been wrestling with. But Jesus, he loves his disciples. He cares for them. He recognises what's going on in their hearts. He recognises that they were, they were wanting to, to ask him uh, what, what he meant. We, we don't know why, actually, the disciples didn't just ask him. But Jesus picks up on this. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. <laughs> that, that's not the most comforting thing to hear straight away, is it? When, when you just heard that someone you, you love and care for and given everything to follow is going away and suddenly saying to you, you will weep, you will lament, but the world will rejoice. He, he, Jesus is showing his disciples, he's preparing them for what lies ahead. That it's the way of the cross. It's going to be he's going to die on the cross for them. And he, he's saying this now that, that to show them it's not a surprise this is going to happen. But he doesn't shy away from telling them that it will be hard for them. That they will have sorrow. That they will have anguish. He says the world will rejoice at this. So they're going to be in pain. It's almost as if the world's mocking them. The world celebrating their loss. If the story was to end here, it would be a tragedy. But yet, this is just the beginning. For remember, Jesus says to you, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. This was a promise of Jesus to his disciples. And it's a promise that now is uh, um, accessible for anyone who is going to put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. There is something that brings us transformation, changing the sorrow of bereavement and loss to the joy of reunion and life. I remember when Alex went away for uh, three weeks to Hong Kong uh, and this was fairly early on in our relationship and 
and so Alex is my wife any of you that, that don't know uh, and then she went so she, she was away for three weeks where she went to Hong Kong and Australia and this time we were uh, only boyfriend and girlfriend but but I missed her. It was it was hard. It was tough. Her being away, like you experience these emotions, don't you? When someone that you that you love dearly as it goes away, you it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult knowing even just that that knowledge that that they're in a completely different part of the world that they're they're not close by anymore. This this is hard and this is challenging. So when I went to meet her from the airport, when she came back. I had the anticipation of standing there, waiting at the gates, waiting for her to come through the door. And the excitement was building, yet the joy came as I laid eyes on her. As she came through the gates, that joy just stirred in me. It's almost like it birthed in me. The seeing her again brought a deep joy to my heart. Jesus refers to it like a woman giving birth. I'm just going to read again from verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. As a man, though I've not experienced labour pains, I've seen it firsthand. I remember the contractions that Alex was having as I was rushing her to hospital in the early hours of the morning as Molly was on her way. I say rushing. Um, I was driving, I think, around 50 miles an hour. And then the, the speed limit changed down to 30. So I quickly put on the brakes on to slow down. And I very clearly remember Alex shouting at me, why are you slowing down? I obviously wasn't rushing enough. So the contractions and the labour were very painful. You could tell from the look on her face and the anguish in her voice. Sorry, I don't want to go into too much detail, but you must understand this was anguish. It was difficult. It was hard. I could pretty it up for you, but you need to know it wasn't easy. And it wasn't easy for the disciples. For when Jesus went away for this little while that he was talking about. It was when he was beaten, he was betrayed, he was mocked, he was nailed to the cross. For disciples must have felt lost, defeated, full of grief, yet their sorrow turned to joy, a joy that no one could take from them. As with childbirth, when Molly was born, joy overcame the suffering. And this is what it's this is what the disciples experienced, just as Jesus foretold that they would here in John 16. Are you starting to understand the kind of joy that we are talking about here? It's, it's, um, it's pervasive. It's, it's something that just builds up and it's, it's overwhelming. It's something that, that oh, you can't really put it into words, but it's not the same as happiness, which is fleeting and disappears because this joy is rooted in Christ and he's been raised from the dead. So, in fact, the Bible doesn't say joy was added in to the disciples' lives, but that their sorrow turned into joy. Something significant happened in the little while of Jesus not being seen. And then being seen again, something that would change the course of all humanity together, a pain that gives birth to joy. Jesus's death and resurrection are so important. Paul says in Galatians 6.14, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the point of most pain and sorrow for the disciples becomes the source of their joy so the most difficult thing that the disciples had gone with the the suffering of seeing Jesus taken away from them being crucified being put to death from that place of pain becomes the source of their joy when they really realize what was happening what was going on and that Jesus cannot be kept by death so this thing that causes them pain becomes the one thing that they boast in. Their main moment of pain, the crucifixion, is what turns to be the basis of their joy. So why does the cross produce a joy that can penetrate all of life, that can be there through pain and suffering even for us today? It's because he died that he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That's from Hebrews 2. Let me read it again. He died that he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We were made to be in relationship with God and due to sin, due to going our own way and being separated from him, we became slaves of sin, destined to be judged by our sin, judged for our sin even, and found guilty, captive to the power of death. So that means that we, we live in fear of death. It's something that's coming for us that we can't get away. Yet Jesus died on the cross, paying the price for our sin and shame, that we might now be brought into new life with him, free from the chains of sin and shame, that we may have a new identity as children of God. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus has bore us in upon the cross that we may have new life. Romans 6 says, how can, he, how can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too now my walk might walk in newness of life. So by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus, we become in Christ. We have in essence been crucified with him. We have been baptised into his death with him, that we may now have newness of life. We are born again. So faith in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour puts to death our old sinful self and we are given new life. Romans 6 goes on to say, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Ah, oh, this is good news that you can see why, why this brings joy. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing might be brought to nothing. All that sin and shame, the penalty for it, might be brought to nothing for what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. So, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We, were, we became slaves of sin. We had to go wherever sin was leading us. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That's why it's important. We must know, we must get in our heads that we have died with Christ upon the cross. Because that means now we have died to sin. Now we have died. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. 
we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. No wonder why our hope can never be taken away from us because Jesus can never be taken away from us. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is so important. The word consider here means, it's like a, a term for accountancy. It means reckoning. It means to accredit things in the right column. Jesus, God here, is saying to us through Paul, the way we think is so important. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Okay? So if we're struggling with sin in our lives, the truth is this. If you've put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, your old sinful self has died with Christ. This is the truth. It has died with him. You are no longer enslaved to, to sin. And Jesus has now, because he has paid the price for you, you are set free and you now have the life of God within you. And you can now live for his glory and his grace. We can receive his grace and rule and reign in life. And so this is important. This is truth. So it's not that we need to try harder in, in to overcome sin, but we need to understand. We need to know the truth because the truth sets us free. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this is something that we need to give time to. We need to pray that God's Holy Spirit brings this revelation to us, that we change the way we think to be in line with the truth of what Jesus has done. We now have relationship with God. We now have new life. We are born again. We have a new identity in Christ. It's like you've been given a completely new passport, but all the information in it that's new is true. <laughs> it's not like what we've done before has just been painted over. And if you were to, to scrape away the paint, you'll find the sin and the shame. But we are now made righteous. In fact, we are credited with the righteousness of Jesus, the one who never sinned. His perfect sinless life has been credited to us and our sin has been removed by him. He carried the weight of it upon his shoulders. So we must consider ourselves dead to sin because this is the truth and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's so important that we understand that we are now in Christ, that we understand what God has done for us. So the anguish of labour being turned to joy is the perfect analogy for us. As it's through the pain of Jesus on the cross that we are born again into a living relationship with Jesus that will never end. So the disciples have the joy of Jesus being returned to them, the joy of him never abandoning them, the joy of his life now in them, and the freedom this brings from sin and shame. You can see why this is an eternal joy, why it's a joy that can never be taken away, and why it's a joy that will permeate all aspects of our lives as our eyes are fixed on him. Because we have a hope. Even if we feel like we're drowning in the depths of, of life if life has been really difficult and really hard we have a lifeline we have a hope but we must lift our eyes to the king who sits on the throne
as it says near the end of this passage, and we'll touch on this again in a little bit, as we pray for things in the name of Jesus, the Father will answer our prayers. If you feel like you're struggling right now, look to Jesus. In fact, I'm just going to pray for you right now. God, I thank you. I thank you that you have produced for us a hope, a certainty of a life with you. Lord God, I thank you that you have taken our sin and our shame, Lord God, and credited us with your righteousness. And I thank you that now you give us through your spirit all that we need for life and godliness. Lord, you you called us to a life where we rule and reign in life through receiving your abundance, abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Lord, so I just pray, help us to lift our eyes to you this morning. Help anyone that is really struggling just to freshly experience and receive your grace this morning that their joy may be full. Amen. So there is joy for us in Jesus Christ. But this is something that we can also grow and cultivate. It's, it's like I've said earlier joy is a fruit of the spirit it's and the fruits of the spirit grow in us they they they, they, there's no limit to how much fruit that can be born in these things and and jesus even said doesn't he that that um he says truly truly i say to you whatever you ask of the father in my name he will give it to you until now you have asked nothing in my name ask and you will receive but your joy may be full Jesus wants us to have a fullness of joy. And there's different things biblically we can look at for, for, for how to grow in joy. But, but I want to focus on what it says right here just for one moment. It says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So it's, here it's talking about praying, it's talking about your prayer life. There's a joy that comes through doing life with God, through through um, through praying with Him. There's for praying to Him. There's a joy that comes, and and as we pray according to Scripture, it's so amazing to let the Bible shape our praise, our prayers. If we want to pray in the name of Jesus, this is a great way of doing it. As we as we let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us in our praying, because we do not know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit will lead us and guide us. And God's word is so vital for us here. But we must make time to pray. If you feel like your joy is is lacking a bit at the moment, that you aren't in fullness of joy, I just encourage you, make time to pray. Maybe spend a moment listening to God. Because Jesus says, I only do as I see my Father in heaven doing. And God God loves to reveal to us what he's doing. This is what Jesus is doing now, isn't he? Here in this passage, he's revealing to his disciples what is to come. He's preparing them. And Jesus, God likes to prepare us for the things that lay ahead. And so he'll put things on our hearts to be praying into, to be seeking him for. And we can expect answers. And in the asking and in the receiving, there is joy, fullness of joy. Which I think is why it says, as we receive God's righteousness and the free gift of abundant grace, we may reign in life. It's receiving as something, something that, that, that God wants us to know that, that he is our source. 
He is the well of life and he just wants us to keep drawing and keep drawing from him and keep drawing from him in the highs of life, in the lows of life, keep drawing from him. And that's joy, this, this potent joy will be there as an undercurrent no matter what we're going through. That's why when you see the disciples in prison, what can they do? They can rejoice. When they were whipped, what can they do? They can rejoice because their hope is certain in Christ. Their future is certain in him. We know that Jesus says you will go through pain, difficulty, hardship now. If the world persecuted Jesus, how much more will it also persecute us? But there is a joy for us, a peace for us in him. So how does your joy become full? By praying, asking and receiving as this leads to fullness of joy. Joy is found in relationship with God, which is why when it says, I will not see you in a little while. But then when you see me uh, again after a little while, your joy, you will know joy. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. As we behold Jesus, as we see him, as we do life with him, there is great joy to be found. It's that simple. Jesus says, pray, ask and you will receive and your joy will be full. Maybe God's stirring in you even now this longing to grow in joy. Maybe your, your cup of joy feels, feels a bit empty right now. If so, give some time to pray and listen to what you feel God wanting you to pray and pray and be expectant that he will answer your prayers Maybe you've never known relationship with Jesus and the joy this produces. If you'd like to know him, if you have realised it's time to stop going your own way and follow his way, I would encourage you just to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, I'm sorry for how I have lived my own way and not your way. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness for my sins. Maybe just take a moment now and just anything that God is putting on your conscience, any sins, just bring them before him now. Thank you that you died for me on the cross, that I may now know your joy and have your life within me, that I may now know no condemnation and no shame. That, that I am now clean as I put my trust in you as my Lord and my Saviour. Come, make your home in me, I pray, helping me to live now your way for your glory. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to connect with you. Please do make use of the contact page on us on our website. We we uh, we just love to connect with you. We'd love to to help you in this time. I'm just gonna gonna finish now by by um, going to Romans 15 verse 13. Uh, I've I've spoken a bit on joy this morning, but also you've you've heard me mention peace at times. You've heard me mention about belief and hope, and this is a wonderful verse that Paul uses to draw it all together. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Joy, hope, peace, they're all interlinked. 
and it's by the Spirit's work in us as we believe that we may know know these things to their fullness. So I'm just going to pray this prayer. This is Paul's heart for the Roman church, but 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 I feel it's it's right and applicable to us. Uh, it certainly is. And so I'm just going to pray it for us this morning as we end. Oh God, fill us afresh with all joy and all peace in our believing. As we trust in you by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may abound in hope. Let us be a people known for our hope. No matter what is going on, let us abound in hope, full of joy and peace as our eyes are fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for all that you have done with us and all you continue to do. We love you. Come have your way. Amen.